This is the Remarkable Business Show on Remarkable.fm. I'm John Moss, your host, and this is episode eight, and it's the remote working edition from Chiang Mai. Cyclist, skier, international fugitive, and all-round curious guy, here's the latest edition of the Remarkable Business Show with your host, John Moss. Hello and welcome to the show. I've recently been spending some time in Northern Thailand as a digital nomad or a remote worker. So after jumping on three flights, Manchester to Helsinki, Helsinki to Bangkok and Bangkok to Chiang Mai, I found myself living in that wonderful city. So I recorded some of the show from there and you'll hear what I've been up to in a minute. I've also just launched a little side project called Stelvio. So have a look at stelv.io. So that's S-T-E-L-V dot I-O. Now you might have heard of the Stelvio Pass. It's an incredible, iconic, visually amazing road in Northern Italy. And a lot of people go there to either ride it on a bike or drive it in a car. So I've launched Stelvio as a range of cycling goods. So there's some wonderful t-shirts, there's some sweatshirts, mugs and artwork as well. So Stelvio is sponsoring this episode of the show and if you'd like to head over there so that's stelv.io if you use the code remarkable that's all in caps so remarkable you get 10% off your order so please check it out and if you've got a friend who's big into cycling do let them know about it thank you so much Now, you may have read or indeed listened to other podcasts or watched videos on YouTube about Chiang Mai being one of the places in the world where digital nomads flock to. But first of all, what's a digital nomad, you may ask? Well, it's someone who can work anywhere and is not tied to a static location. People often talk about location independent businesses, and this is precisely what a lot of people in Chiang Mai are doing. I've met South Africans, Canadians, Americans, Brits, Italians, Aussies, Kiwis and many more nationalities who are based here for a period of time working on their businesses. Now, those businesses are generally online. And so whether they are a developer or someone selling on Amazon. So this is something called FBA, Fulfilled by Amazon. These are very popular businesses here in Chiang Mai. So these people can be anywhere in the world as long as they've got good Internet access and use their laptop. So this FBA term, it's something that you hear quite a lot, fulfilled by Amazon. There are a lot of people here doing this and very, very successfully. If you have a look online and search for FBA or fulfilled by Amazon, there's a wealth of videos and information and blog posts about it. It's worth a read. It's fascinating. Now, Chiang Mai happens to tick a lot of boxes for people like this, me included for the past few weeks. Firstly, you've got the weather. It's very warm, but so nice to step outside and feel some real heat, especially in October. We're coming to the end of the rainy season now, so November and December are very popular times here. It's slightly cooler, a lot less rain and a lot of sunshine. Secondly, internet access. The internet here is unbelievably quick. I've bought an AIS SIM card, popped it into my phone and have 100 meg plus up and down virtually everywhere even at the top of the mountain where I've been cycling in the morning. Cost, how does 25 pounds a month grab you for 14 gig of data? It's very effective and it's just cheap. It's so good. AIS also has super fast Wi-Fi all over the city, including the night market, would you believe? And so the SIM allows free access to that. So I'm sitting, having dinner, 
having some nice delicious pad thai and I'm connected to their Wi-Fi for free, getting crazy internet speeds. Also, every single coffee shop also has their own Wi-Fi, and so it's incredibly easy to stay connected wherever you are in the city and even in the countryside. There are a number of very good co-working spaces here in Chiang Mai as well. I've spent a lot of time at Pun Space, Niman, which is a particular district, which is 290 baht a day, so around £6.50, which gives you a desk, decent office chair, rock-solid fast Wi-Fi, and also free water, tea and coffee. There is a big community of people and teams working from here, and they have two locations, one in the Old Town, which is a huge one, and the smaller space in the Niman district, which is where I spent most of my time. I've also been working in my room, or my little apartment condo type thing, and more on that shortly, using tethering to the phone, and it's more than okay. So thirdly, cost of living. How does a decent room for around £10 a night sound? Okay, it's not the Four Seasons, although that is available here in Chiang Mai, but it's absolutely fine for a clean bed and a shower. For not much more, you can get some really nice places. A lot of the people living and working here rent apartments or condos for a number of months. You are spoilt for choice here, and you can expect to pay anything from £150 upwards, depending on the location, how nice it is, and also how long you sign for. Obviously, if you sign for a few more months, or even six months, you can get some really good deals. The general standard of living and costs suddenly makes you question just how expensive the Western world is, which is why living here and working here for your normal clients makes so much sense. This is something that people call location arbitrage. So you have Western clients, but Eastern cost of living and quality of life. So here are a few examples of costs of things while I've been here. So a Thai massage for one hour, around 200 baht or five pounds. Dinner for four in the night market, 400 baht or around 10 pounds. A wet shave and beard trim in a really nice barber shop, three pounds. The most amazing fresh fruit and French toast in a beautiful cafe, around six pounds. If you eat at the local places, especially the night markets and street stores, you are paying on average around two pounds a meal or less. The food is simply superb. So the fourth thing is access to other places. Once you're over here in Asia, hopping on a plane to Australia, New Zealand, Tokyo, Vietnam and a wealth of other locations is easy and really good value. I spent a little bit of time googling flights and things like that from Chiang Mai and I came up with these things within a couple of minutes. So how about Hong Kong, £140 return or there is Vietnam for about £150 return. So that's going to Ho Chi Minh City and there's a new route opening up from Chiang Mai direct to Ho Chi Minh City soon. Um, you've also got something like Tokyo, which is £230 return. So it's just amazing the opportunities that being over here have for jumping off somewhere for a weekend. You've also got fantastic trains as well. So an overnight train to Bangkok in a first class private cabin is around £45. And Bangkok is incredibly well connected. You can also get easily a train or a flight down to the islands like Koh Tao, Koh Samui or Phuket. Speaking of which, I spent three months traveling in Thailand 22 years ago. I feel old. 
My three weeks here have been amazing and I'm so pleased I booked the flight and just got on and did it. It's not hard. Chiang Mai is a busy, bustling city and I've hardly seen any of it while here. Admittedly, I've been working a lot more than I thought I would, but it's been great and I'm going to be back. If you want to work somewhere remotely and you've got the opportunity to do so, Chiang Mai is fantastic. By the way, I also brought my bike with me to Chiang Mai because it's got a huge cycling scene here and a number of very famous routes and climbs. Doi Satep is the mountain climb to the west of the city and I deliberately stayed near here. So 7am I can roll out onto the main road and I've got a 16 kilometer climb a few minutes later up through the jungle which is absolutely stunning. You'll never be alone on the climb either as people are cycling, running and walking and there's a very famous temple at the top built originally in 1383 and the road to it was actually built in the 30s. So if you'd like to know more about my adventure do drop me a line at john j-o-n at johnmoss.co.uk I'd be happy to answer any questions. We've got a remarkable guest on the show today for you. He's had the most amazing career and is now running a very cool startup. Jeff Kaufman is the co-founder and CEO of Trint, T-R-I-N-T, a London UK-based tech company. Trint is developing a productivity tool that revolutionizes the handling of audio and video content, offering intuitive editing and sharing of automated transcripts. Trint has developed a text editor that does the heavy lifting for you, the user. Jeff knows the world of video content. He is an Emmy-winning veteran network television news and war correspondent with more than three decades of experience reporting from around the world. He has covered many of the biggest stories of our time, including the Iraq War, the Arab Spring, Hurricane Katrina, the Gulf oil spill and the Chile mine rescue. With a track record reporting under deadline from some of the toughest places on earth, Jeff is a specialist in breaking news stories as well as finely crafted long-form television. He's an experienced interviewer, TV and radio host and anchor, a commentator and analyst on world affairs. As a freelance journalist and commentator, Jeff has contributed reports and analysis to the BBC World Service, BBC News, BBC World, NPR, CBS Radio and Monocle Radio. He has received an Emmy Award for coverage of the Libyan Revolution and a special Emmy for coverage of the 9-11 World Trade Center attacks. Our conversation is wide-ranging and we talk about his background, Trint, what he's learnt and the challenges he has overcome. Enjoy the chat. He's a fascinating guy with a remarkable business. Accessible, authentic and useful. The Remarkable Business Show speaks to remarkable people. I am delighted to be welcoming the next guest to the Remarkable Business Show, and that is Jeff Kaufman, who is speaking from London at the Trint headquarters. So, Jeff, welcome to the show. That's right. I am on the top floor of Trint Towers. Uh, it's a 25-story building that we've just moved into. No, okay, it's not true. Uh, we're, we're, we're 14 people. Uh, we'll be 16 next week and 20 by, by August. It's, a, it's, it's fun. It's a fast-growing journey. And how long has Trint been going and can you just tell the listeners a little bit about exactly what Trint is? Trint, uh, Trint began December 1st, 2014. We were a team of four um, and, and Trint really uh, for me comes out of my career. I, I spent, I'm originally from Canada, from Toronto, spent more than 30 years as a broadcast journalist starting in Canadian television, moved to American Network TV in 1997 and uh, I have spent as a result Thousands of hours of my life transcribing interviews I've done, news conferences I've attended, um, lectures that I've recorded, etc. And, you know, in the arc of my career, starting in, in Canada and local TV in the 1980s, I have watched everything about media, about journalism, uh, and the 
process of gathering and collecting, disseminating information change. You know, I, I, I'm old enough that I remember manual typewriters, teletypes in the newsroom that punched out the news on paper uh, and rang bells when something big happened. You know, we, I missed film, but I, I experienced the first videotape. All of that's gone. I mean, all of that just seems like ancient history to, to a lot of your listeners. But, you know, when I began reporting, I used to take a little mini cassette recorder with me and hold it next to the microphone or in my hand, and I'd record the interview, and then I would hit rewind and go to the top, and heading back to what was then the local station, I would be listening to it and scribble, hit, hit play, hit stop, and scribble down the, the, the quotes that I needed, the, this, what we call the sound bites for the story, because you've got to know what people have said before you can write your story, whether it's a television story, uh, a print story, an online story, it doesn't matter. And that's not just a scenario for journalists. What's interesting is that, you know, 30 years later, people are still doing that. We use digital recorders, uh, you know, the, the technology for recording has changed somewhat, but the actual workflow hasn't changed. What, what's changed for journalists and so many others, though, is that when I began in journalism in the 1980s, you did a two-minute, two-and-a-half-minute story for tonight's newscast, and that's all you did. You got, you know, you went in tomorrow and you did another one. Maybe you had to do two stories for two different newscasts, but that was about it. Now everyone in media is doing video, audio, podcasts, social media, uh, all sorts of different sharing. One interview can, can end up going in six, eight different directions, and that person has fewer resources, uh, more time pressure because everything is instant these days. And yet what stops that information getting out? You got to find the moments. And to find the moments, you go back to my mini cassette recorder in the 1980s. That's the problem that Trent set out to solve. 2013, yeah. when I decided I was leaving ABC News as London correspondent, I was asked to teach some global journalism programs to create some programs for an American and a Canadian university for a semester abroad. And in the process of researching that, I was taken to MozFest, a big coding conference here in London, and introduced to some really brilliant developers who'd done this experiment with transcription, with manual transcription, tethering it to text. And I was just amazed. And I said, well, gosh, couldn't you put like automated speech in there and find some way to make it fixable so that you could search it and it would do the heavy lifting? And Lorian, who became our senior developer, I remember that first meeting, he said, ah, it's an interesting idea. We could try it. And we did. And it worked. And it was amazing. And that's how Trent was born. What a fantastic story. And it, so it's really came about because there you found in the field, in real life, there was a real need for this. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, there, there are certain profiles of classic entrepreneurs. And I'm the guy who's lived the problem you know, I, we as a team set out to solve. Absolutely. You know, I think that it's fair to say that there, there, a lot of us have ideas for innovation, you know, coffee party, you know, cocktail party chatter, so to speak. You know, you meet people when you're an entrepreneur and an inventor, like, like I've become, everybody tells you about their idea. Yeah. Um, the, this is not an idea that lends itself, that, that someone graduating from UCL or MIT in computer science is going to know about. You have to live this problem to even know it exists. And I've lived this problem. I, I wondered, if I'm honest, why nobody had found a way to, to use technology to make it easier. But if I'm also honest, I didn't set out to do this. It was just a, a chance meeting at a time in my life when I decided I was going to leave broadcast television as a foreign correspondent, as a war correspondent, and move on to something different and a new challenge. I met these guys. 
And I just saw an opportunity. And I, I remember saying to them, this is the future. Either we get together and see if we can make this happen, or we're going to go our separate ways, never meet each other again. And we're going to be sitting in a coffee shop five or 10 years from now, and people will be working on a platform that is very much what you've done and what I imagine it could become. And I don't think we should let that happen. And, and it was really, that was what went through my mind. It was, you know, those kind of, that moment you see in the cartoons when the light bulb goes off over the, over the character's head. There was a light bulb over my head that day. Yeah, it's it's so good. It's I've been using Trent now for probably two months and two of the shows. We're on episode three at the moment, so you're being recorded for a future episode right now. And I love it. It's It's absolutely, I was searching literally for transcription software. Trent came up. I was up and running within a couple of minutes and just blown away, especially by the user experience. How, how did you get to that? And could you tell people a little bit why that's so special? First of all, let me say thank you. This, is, this just makes me smile because, you know, I've now put three years of my life into this project and um, some of our early team members have too. And, and to hear you describe it, doing exactly what we imagined and hoped it would do, uh, it just, it's really, really satisfying. I, I can't tell you how much work this is. It's really hard to do this. But when you hear that people get it and it, it works and it solves a problem for them, it just all feels worth it. Of course, these these startups are about making money, but you know what? It, it's about the impact and it's about the journey. It's it's about making a difference. And when you say that, it just, you know, it makes my heart smile because these have got to be driven by passion and by, by belief because if you just set out to get rich, good luck. Yeah. Uh, if you set out to, to have some impact and do something revolutionary, uh, you just, it's so much richer. So, you know, thank you on behalf of the team for saying what you just said. I should say for the listeners who don't quite understand what it is that you're praising, that the core innovation of Trent is that it takes the flawed output of, of automated speech to text, which has become better and better, but, but is by nature imperfect because we don't speak perfectly and uh, noise interrupts, etc. You, you get this really good speech to text like Siri and Alexa and Google. They're great, but for me as a journalist, for an academic, for a, a lawyer, flawed transcriptions are of no value until you know you can trust them. The key innovation at Trent uh, is the marriage of a text editor to an audio video player. So we glue the source audio to the text on the screen and we allow you to instantly search it. And if there's an error, you can instantly correct it. So that within seconds, you have transcripts you can trust. You can then select the moment you like and it instantly times it. That's a, a process I have done thousands and thousands of times in my life. And with Trent, we've reduced what is half an hour, an hour, two hours work to just minutes. So that's, I presume, John, why you're a fan. And that's why we've grown so fast, so quickly. Uh, we just solve a problem and, and we do it. You, you need to give us good audio. You know, I, we're recording on, on some good audio equipment here. Uh, you know, you're, I'm recording into my, my laptop and you're getting a proper recording, not out of the speakers. You give us bad audio, you won't like us. When Trent doesn't work, it's because it's got bad audio. Or I, I should be honest and also say, you know, heavy foreign accents are not great with machine learning. It just is the truth. Uh, but otherwise, we can deliver, as you know, transcripts that are 95, 98, even 99% accurate. I was astonished at the accuracy. And, and also, for me, it's about software that makes me smile. If I'm smiling, I'm liking it. And if I'm liking it, it's generally, it just works. You know, Trent for me was exactly that. And it was just the, 
the user experience, the player which you just talked about, um, I would absolutely encourage people to go and try it because it's, it's, it's once you've actually seen it and actually experienced it, everybody would smile. So I'm, I'm, I'm a glad that I've started using it. B delighted that we managed to connect, and I appreciate your time today. And what were what were the biggest challenges? for you and the team probably to get to where you are now? The core, the original team was, was, uh, was three developers and me. And I have zero business experience, zero technology experience. They're, they're really smart developers. They haven't done a commercial pro- hadn't done a commercial product. They're open source guys. So we all brought, you know, they brought a really smart, innovative understanding of, of pushing technology into new, bound, into new territory. And I brought a deep understanding of the problem. Uh, but I'm not a UX, UI guy, user experience, user interface guy, none of, and they weren't either. So we kind of hacked it together. We started December 1st, 2014 in an Airbnb in Florence because one, my co-founder lives just outside of Florence. And we spent a couple of weeks holed up in there calling out to news organizations and journalists and podcasters um, and technical people asking, what is the problem? Let's define how, how this works for you and what your solution would look like. And that was really good because it got all four of us on the same page. Then the guys hacked together what they thought was the solution. And we did something else that was really turned out to have been really smart. We didn't have much money, but we paid an external user testing consultant to come in and run a, an independent lab on the, on the first prototype. And it was a little, it was a little bit like watching your kid get up and f- on the stage for the first time and, and forget his lines. Um, it, it was, it was a little bit humbling, shall we say, to sit. We were sitting in another room watching on a monitor as people struggled, and and they would say things. Well, like I wish it did this, and we looked at each other and said, Well, we could do that. Or why does it do that? That doesn't make sense. It could, if it went worked like this, it would be better. And so that day of testing, as traumatic as it was really saved us because we we started to understand how people what people's expectations were what how they interacted what the assumptions were the thing that was reassuring was that the six people who were our, our guinea pigs all said this has amazing potential if you can fix this and make it more intuitive more more accessible you can change the world so we went back to the drawing board we completely redesigned the player and the editor and we created what was our, our first alpha, which came out in June of 2015. Through my media connections, we had some really strong uh, testers at the BBC, at National Public Radio in the US, uh, a bunch of uh, independent journalists and others. And they got it. And they were patient enough with us to say, we'll work with you and help you define how this can work. Because people were so excited at the possibility. And so those real world testers continued to feedback and say, guys, it's freezing on this. When I put in too much data, it, it, it causes a problem. And that led to a revision of the whole sort of back end of the product so that it wouldn't crash and, and burn when it, it had too much information on it. Because we're a browser-based cloud computing software. And then we came out with a, which was what, what was our first beta at the end of 2015. And that's essentially what the trend you're working on is. We've tweaked it a lot. We, we, we've refined it and we're about to release a major upgrade to it called Trent 2.0 this summer. Uh, but the core editor won't change because after a lot of testing and iterations, we essentially got it so that it works and it does what people want. Now we're 
working on the features around it, the journey in and out to make it simpler, easier, clearer, to add better search tools and some incredibly exciting innovations and features as we move forward. That sounds terrific. And is there anything you can share with us today? A little sneak peek or do we need to keep Sturm and have you back on the show again? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm happy to tell you that Trent 2.0, it, it's been a fascinating journey. We did another testing lab when we, when we, so we launched Trent September 5th, 2016 as a commercial product. And it's just been an amazing ride. Um, we have had uh, user growth in the double digits every month. It's been incredible. And, you know, almost every week we break sales records. Yesterday we broke another big one uh, for our daily sales record. And it's yesterday we made almost as much as we made in the entire month of September in one day. I mean, that's how fast wow. we're growing. It's really Congratulations. Incredible. Thank you. I mean, you know, it's, it's, really, it's, it's really fun. But now the pressure is we've got companies saying to us, you know, we have some of the biggest news organizations in the U.S. using us, and they've got a couple of dozen people, and they're saying, you know, we could scale this to two, 3,000 people, but you've got to build the enterprise integrations. So we just closed a, a big funding round. We raised 2.4 million pounds. Uh, we just announced it uh, this week. And you know, we're doubling our development team from five to 10. We're adding a, uh, a marketing team, uh, improving our uh, customer support. We'll be 2022 by, by the end of summer, uh, having been 10. Uh, we're moving into new offices. I mean, it's really a, it's a really fast growth, uh, but you've got to respond to the market. We we have some small competitors, but nothing directly like us. And and so you know the 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 jargon in the in the industry is we have first mover advantage. And so you know you want to move with it. You want to respond and and and, and yeah. you, you want to meet demand where it's where it's real. And that's what we're aiming to do. In terms of 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 the sneak peek, I, I like our interface now. But I think that it's not as clean and clear as it could be. And as we start to rocket fuel innovation into the platform, uh, we felt we needed a, a more intuitive and, and adaptable piece of software as our foundation. So Trent 2.0, which is just finishing its build, uh, will be that product, we hope. Um, it's been based on, on a lot of testing and talking to users about what they like and what could be made better. And when that comes out this summer, we will then start to do some things that, that really, um, I think, are pretty magic. Uh, the first is the Trent Player, which will take a, a video or audio posted on YouTube uh, and allow you to post it uh, as an HTML document on your website so that you can actually follow read it, follow it as a, as a user, like a karaoke, and just select a moment and instantly share it on social media. So for a guy like you with a podcast, you're talking about interactive podcast transcripts uh, at, with, with a couple of clicks. It, there's no precedent for what we're doing. I mean, it's really, really exciting. It's incredibly simple on one level, but uh, it's really, really radically revolutionary on another. So, so that's being unveiled in Vienna at uh, one of the biggest journalism conferences in the annual calendar, the Global Editors Network Summit, um, at the end of June. Uh, and, and it will be released at some point this summer. We're, we're holding it back for a little more testing uh, before we actually release it broadly. But uh, as you say, and, uh, indulge me while I do a little commercial, you know, if you sign up at trint.com, you'll, you'll, you'll know when it's released. That is great. That sounds absolutely terrific, Jeff, and really look forward to seeing that uh, in the future. Um, if you had one piece of advice for someone starting out in business or running their own startup who's had an idea like you've done and like you like you had all that you know those years ago 
What would it be on maybe not just one piece of advice, any advice? For a long time in this journey, when I was giving speeches and presentations, would get up and say, I'm the most unqualified person in the, on the planet to be talking to you about this. I have zero business experience. I still get intimidated by Excel spreadsheets. You know, I was a foreign correspondent, a war correspondent for American TV for a very long time, covered uh, the Iraq War, Libya, the Arab Spring. And, and what's interesting is that I didn't realize it when I began this, but some of the things that made me effective at that job have really helped me here. Um, you know, you when you're a war correspondent and you land in tough places and you've got to get hit air and your deadline is not flexible because you know ABC World News goes on at 6:30 p.m. in New York. That means you've got to be there, ready to roll in some form. You can't say, "Hey, I'm going to be 10 minutes late." And so you you learn to be you learn to be decisive and not second guess second guess your decisions. I think that's a really important quality for a fast moving innovation. Um, and you make mistakes and you don't beat yourself up. You just learn from them and you don't point fingers. As long as they're not sloppy mistakes, you know you just say, "Okay, well let's fix it. Let's move on." And uh, you you learn not to second guess yourself and others. You learn to let people do their jobs because there are too many yeah. too much has to be done too quickly for you to try to micromanage everyone. You know, all of these are really core to probably any business, any leadership role. Um, but it's really interesting how those kind of things yeah. are, are really important. When you're in a danger zone, you need to be honest about what your limits are. Where are you out of your comfort? Uh, when do you feel like you need help? When do you think it's time to turn back and admit that? And, and all of that applies to entrepreneurship. I wish I could say that I knew I, I knew this would be helpful. I, I guess it's partly just in my DNA. But it's really, really helpful to have been in situations where you just have to learn how to move things forward. You know, there, there's some, there are a lot of cliches about the journey that Trent is on. And, and one of them you'll hear constantly is 80% perfect, 100% fast. You can't go for perfection. Or if you wait to release a, a perfect product, you waited too long. It's, it's true. You have to accept. We know Trent can be better. I know I look at things. I look at our website. I look at, you know, our help pages. And I think, yeah, oh God, I really want to make these better. Well, well we just closed the funding round. We're, we're hiring some people in marketing to improve our, our help pages. We're, we're hiring five developers so that we can do some of the things we know need to be done. And so, you know, you just have to accept that on the entrepreneurship journey, it's iterative. And, you, you know, I guess one of the things that I've really learned that I didn't know is, is test your assumptions. That, you know, for some reason, we did do that. And, and I, I, I don't know that it was an overarching strategy, but somehow I had this idea, and I guess I was given some good advice, don't move too far without letting real people test you and validate it. And that saved us a lot of errors. That sounds like great advice. Absolutely brilliant advice, Jeff. And, and I th you've been... Um, very humble about your background and career because if i'm right in saying you won an emmy didn't you uh yeah yeah and you you've you like you're saying you've covered stories the iraq war the arab spring and hurricane katrina as well just um stepping away slightly from trent uh, but was there anything that you remember any one of those things where you thought, oh my gosh, this was, you know, one of the most incredible experiences of your life. Is there anything you could share about? Oh, you know, John, I, I consider myself an incredibly lucky guy. I mean, there have been dozens of those. I remember going to do a documentary in Patagonia in Chile, riding down a fjord on the, on the top of a fishing boat and just feeling absolutely giddy. The sun was shining. I was with a, a crew 
and my and, and my producer, and there were sea lions frolicking on the coast. And I just I remember turning to my producer and saying, "I can't believe I'm being paid to do this. This is just beyond thrilling." And you know, we we I went down there a number of times. I spent a week on an island in southern Chile doing a documentary on an unknown pod of blue whales that was just beyond belief. You know, I, I've been all over, and I've done stories like that. I've also seen horror of unspeakable proportions in Iraq and Libya and Haiti. I've witnessed a lot of things that uh, just weren't nice, uh, just a lot of bad things. But, you know, one of the humbling things about war is that you actually see a lot of good things, too. People doing extraordinary things to protect their families, to help their neighbors, to feed their families. You know, war is not quite like it's portrayed by Hollywood. It's, It's actually a lot of hardship normalcy punctuated by moments of sheer terror. Uh, But it's not like it's always bang, bang. Uh, In fact, it's rarely that. But when that happens, that is really, really terrifying. And and then you just see bad things. So, you know, I I, I guess, you know, I I have a different perspective on terror than, than a lot of people because I've been truly terrified and, um, and had with good reason. Uh, so, you know, the, the idea of this current journey frightening me, it's, I'm not cocky about it, I'm, I'm humble about it, but at the same time, you know, I, I don't use the word terror um, just because I, I have a different perspective. I will tell you that probably my favorite story of more than 30 years of journalism was the Chile mine rescue. I was the first foreign reporter at the site when they found those men uh, after 17 days of being trapped uh, half a mile underground. Uh, I happened to be heading to the airport. Uh, I was home in Canada visiting my family and was heading to the airport to go to New York for meetings when I heard that they'd been found. And uh, after a lot of back and forth, ended up flying on the overnight flight to Santiago, Chile, and spent most of the next seven weeks in the very hard scrabble desert uh, of Chile covering what was the most dramatic reality show you've ever seen. It was unbelievable. And and when I arrived uh, at that mine site, that scruffy mine site, I remember it so well. There were a dozen, dozen and a half journalists and technicians from Chile and Argentina there. On the day those miners came up and all of them alive, which was seven weeks later, there were over 3,000 journalists wow. uh, in that desert. And wow, it was incredible. You know, it's, it's one of the few times, if not the only time in my life, where everyone was on the same side. You had Russian TV, you had Chinese TV, you had Portuguese TV, you had reporters from every country in the world. You know, the world was riveted by that story. And, it, you know, so often you, you worry about balance and, as a journalist. In, in that case, I mean, there wasn't another side. Everybody was hoping these men could be brought out alive. And there really, it really wasn't clear that that was technically going to be possible. And so to have been there and met the families that very first night when they'd been found through a six-inch borehole, um, and then try, as they tried to figure out how they were going to dig a hole deep enough to, to actually get a human up in it, uh, in unstable rock, it was so dramatic. It was so powerful and, and just it had everything about a great story, you know, human drama, ingenuity, technology, leadership. It was all consuming as a story. And, you know, you, you, when you have a front row seat on that and you're talking to the people, the head, the engineers, the families, the children, the wives, it's just such a privilege. I mean, it, it's just, the, it is what, you know, what I got into journalism to do. Yeah, so I, rem- I remember it vividly watching the reporting on the news. And yeah, it was an incredible story and must have been an incredible experience. So, 
Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show today. I am really looking forward to seeing how you grow, as I'm sure you will in the future. And I'm just delighted that it's worked out and you've fixed a major problem and delighting people at the same time who are using Trint. So um, where's the best place to kind of connect with you online? So there's Trint.com. Uh, with Trint.com, you can sign up and you'll actually get an email from me. And if you need to, you can just respond directly. Everyone gets a personal email from me uh, to welcome them aboard. You know, I, I'm a big believer that every customer is a gold customer. You know, we really emphasize at this early stage, and I hope all the way through the, the journey of this company, just how important customer service and support is. Uh, you know, we've done well by it because people really, really value the fact that we answer our emails. And, you know, we're not perfect, just to set expectations, and we don't have 24-hour support yet. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, we really do try to help people solve problems and answer their questions. No, that's brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Jeff. Really appreciate it. And I'll speak to you very soon. Thank you again. A real pleasure. Thanks for being so interested. The Remarkable Business Show. So again, a huge thanks for Jeff for appearing on the show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. He's a remarkable person and they have a remarkable business with Trint. I actually use Trint for the show transcript and it works very, very well. They give 30 minutes free, so zero excuses for not trying it. Check it out at Trint.com. This episode's quote is from Mark Twain and fits nicely with the travel that I've been doing lately. Travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry and narrow-mindedness, and many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth or one's lifetime. Going and seeing the world, experiencing new cultures and meeting people is the number one thing I would recommend to someone who wants to be successful in life, both personally and with work. I've met so many people who are clever on paper, have a good degree, are good with numbers, are astute with business, but have no emotional intelligence, not much common sense and terrible social skills. Going and seeing the world can help massively with these things. I got a university degree, but the best thing I ever did was doing two ski seasons, traveling through Asia and living in Sydney in my early 20s. Travel is easy these days. Please don't miss out. Go and see the world. And I don't mean Benidorm or Ibiza. That wraps it up for episode eight. So thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate your valuable time. You may know that I write a regular newsletter called The Bulletin. The subscribers are growing nicely and the open rate on the emails is just above 70%. When you first sign up, you get an ebook too where I cover productivity, diet, nutrition, and some of my favorite apps and software. Please give it a go. Head on over to The Bulletin Dot email. I'm also on Twitter, user 13,501 no less, so say hello at John Moss, J-O-N-M-O-S-S. Don't forget to check out Stelv.io, Stelvio, my little side project, especially if you're into cycling. But if you'd just like to have a look and give me some feedback, that would be terrific too. And remember, as a remarkable business show listener, you get 10% off your order and you just need to use the code Remarkable, and that's all in caps. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let someone know. Send them a message or email or tweet about the show. I would be really grateful. You can share this episode easily by clicking the share link at the top of the page if you're listening to this in the browser, or if you're using an app, you can use the share link. 
Also, please leave an honest review for The Remarkable Business Show on iTunes or Stitcher. Ratings and reviews are super helpful and they make a huge difference for the show's visibility. Anything you write, I promise I will read. So what are you waiting for? Isn't it about time you did something for the first time? Remote working in Chiang Mai has blown my mind and opened my eyes to the possibility of really making the most of life, seeing the world and still working and earning good money. Why on earth would you want to be shackled to the same place, especially somewhere with a high cost of living and rubbish weather? It's not rocket science, is it? So until next time, enjoy life and make every day count. Don't miss the Bulletin newsletter. Head on over to www.theappleofmyeye.com/newsletter and sign up. You get a terrific free ebook too.